0: Today is Palm Sunday, and um, this is the day in the church calendar when we remember again um, that day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it was a little different than any other time he'd come into any town because this time he came in on a donkey in a unique way. He came in as king. It was the first time that Jesus had publicly announced that he was the king of the kingdom of God. And on Palm Sunday is the beginning of this week that we call the Passion Week, uh, the final week of Jesus's ministry on earth where he would be tried in a false trial and he'd be found guilty even though he did nothing wrong and they would nail him to a cross um, and he would die. But on the third day, he would rise again. So it begins on Palm Sunday and it ends on Easter when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So today on Palm Sunday is a great day For the church, it's a day that we remember again who Jesus is and what he has done and what he continues to do for every single one of us. That Jesus gave it all, his very life for you and for me, so that we could know life, we could know him. And that's what Palm Sunday is all about. So, what I want us to do today on Palm Sunday is, I want us to do kind of two things. First of all, I want to, by looking at the scriptures, relive that first Palm Sunday where Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey and they hailed him as king. We're going to do that first. But then what we're going to do is we're going to step back from those events and we're going to look at the larger context around that story. And we're going to do it because it gives such incredible information that we can apply to our current situation as we're going through this this COVID-19 issue situation. When I was studying this, I looked at. I was looking at this the text of, of Palm Sunday, and then I started looking at the context, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this context speaks directly to us in our current situation. So I think you're going to find that God really has some amazing things to share um, with us today from his word. So first, let's read um, the message from Palm Sunday's events in Matthew 21. So grab your Bible, either your, your paper Bible or fire up your, your phone, and let's read the events of Palm Sunday, starting in Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 1. It says, "When we, this is what it says, When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately... He will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. And most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. And the crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when they had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth Nazareth, in Galilee. We'll stop right there for now. What's going on here? Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And he's doing this in fulfillment of a prophecy from the prophet Zechariah. Um, he comes in to town um, very, you know, in a way that's unique. He comes in as a, in a gentle manner. Um, not as some political revolutionary riding on a war horse, but he comes in as a donkey offering himself as a king. And the people recognize exactly what he's doing and they receive him as king. And that's why we see the events of that day. They put palm branches and coats on the road um, as he came in, and they gave him a red carpet entrance as he came into Jerusalem. And the crowd was shouting, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, come now, rescue us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were shouting to him, You are the king, and we receive you. And they welcome him as king. So on that day, we think of Palm Sunday. We think of of those events that Jesus um, coming in and being hailed as king. We know that's only going to be short lived. In a couple days, they're going to shall crucify the same crowd. But on this day, they receive him as as their king. Uh, that's what the, the crowd did. And so a lot of times on Palm Sunday, we kind of stop right there and we we think about those events. And there's so much in those events. That we could that we can delve into and, and think about, but today I want to do something different because it 's so um, applicable to our current situation. What I want to do with that story now is I want to back up from this story of Jesus coming in as king and put this story in context with the events that are immediately surrounding just before and even the very tail end of the events we're going to see that we're stop short of reading right now and we 're going to see that these events have so much to say about how we can walk through our current situations um, by looking to the example that Jesus gives in these days. And so, first, I want us to think about the time period that was going on right now in the life of Jesus, that he knew what was happening to him in these moments and that he knew what was going to happen to him in these moments, that he knew that he was going to be tried, he was going to be convicted, and he was going to be crucified. So grab your Bible and look at just a few verses earlier from the triumphal entry. Look at chapter 20, verses 17 to 19. It says, And Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem. He took the twelve disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and will be hand, him, hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and to crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. What we see from this is that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And I want you to think about something Honestly, take a step back. Stop thinking of this just as a story because this isn't just a story. These are the events that really happened in the life of Jesus and in the life of the whole crowd on that day. And I want you to ask yourself this question. How do you think Jesus was feeling at that moment? How do you think? So the, he's going to be riding into town, but now just just before he tells, he takes his disciples aside and he tells them, that listen, I'm going to Jerusalem, and when I get there, they're going to crucify. They're going to try me, find me guilty, and crucify me. You know how do you think Jesus was feeling at that moment? Well, Jesus was a man. Jesus would have been stressed out. He would have been he would have been feeling um, uncertain because he knew the big picture, but he didn't know exactly how what what, what he'd endure. Um, He probably was feeling panicked inside because he was, although fully God, he was fully man. And remember that just a few days later, um, as he progresses towards the cross, he is going to enter the Garden of Gethsemane. And in that time of, of just before the events of the crucifixion, he prays this prayer. He says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You know, Jesus was fully human and he would have felt afraid and he would have felt uncertain and stressed. He's asking the father, is there any other way? I don't want to go through this. matter of fact, in the garden, the stress was so severe that it says he sweat drops of blood while he was praying, which is all tied to incredible agony and stress. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what's the point of saying that Jesus was stressed out? Well, Jesus was walking through a time of great stress and uncertainty, and we can learn from how he acted during that time. That we can see how he acted, and we can say, how should that reflect on how we act during a time of stress? And I want to point out is this, what he took time to do, during this time of stress and uncertainty. That's what I want to point out for you today because it's really, as you step back and look, you go, wow, he did some really specific and amazing things during a time of stress that allowed that time of stress to have a, a positiveness to them. And so we're going to look at what he did, had, took time to do during this time of stress because they just serve as great examples for us as we're going through this time of stress um, with, this, with this COVID-19 uh, situation in our country. So what's the first thing? The first thing that I want us to notice on, on what he took time to do is that he took time to help others. Look at verse starting in verse 20 of, of chapter 20. It's a story that you might say, Well, what how does this have help? Follow with me here in, in the thinking here. Verse 20, it says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus Um, with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, "'What do you wish?' And she said to him, "'Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one at your right and one at your left.' But Jesus answered, "'You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink?' And they said to him, "'We are able.' And he said to them, "'My cup you shall drink. But to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give.' but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall become your servant." And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, think about this. Jesus has just announced he's going to Jerusalem, and he's going to be murdered. And the very next event that happens is these these two disciples and their mother come to Jesus and ask can we sit at the places of greatest prominence in your kingdom? Just think about this. Remember, these are real people going through real situations. Jesus just told them this, and the response right then is, hey, can we sit on your right and sit on your left? You know, what an incredibly inappropriate question for James and John and their mother to ask at this time. It was probably inappropriate any time, but it was especially inappropriate at this time. You know, Jesus just told them he was going to go to Jerusalem and and be killed. And what it appears here is that the mother in particular um, and James and John are just really concerned with their own life, with their own well-being, their own future hopes and dreams of being somebody in a position of importance. But I want you to notice something in this story. What was, as this happens, what was the reaction of the other 10 Did you notice what it said about the other 10? The other 10, it says, when they asked this, they became indignant. They got mad. They obviously knew that this was incredibly inappropriate. You know, in any circumstance, it was probably incredibly inappropriate, but it was definitely inappropriate in light of the fact of what Jesus had just said. Even though they probably didn't fully grasp it, it just was out of place. During this time of stress, they were indignant and they were offended by James and John and their mother. And I'd have to say this, I think that's a pretty typical response during difficult times. Something happens and we get offended by others, we get angry at those who surround us. When the stress goes up, usually our patience goes down, and I think that maybe in your own homes right now, you know, you're kind of a, you know, you're kind of locked together, In your homes. And I think, and there's all this media about, you know, COVID-19 and numbers of people sick and all this stuff going on. And and the stress level is high. Jobs are uncertain. And some of you have been been told you got to stay home for a period of time. And you're trying to figure out how is income going to come in? And what about stimulus packages and all this stuff? And the stress level is ramping up. And generally when the stress level goes up, the patience goes low, goes down. And you might be experiencing that. So the typical response was the response of the 10. When something happened, a stressful situation, and something doesn't go the way you think it should go, generally what happens is indignance happens, anger happens, you get frustrated with the people around you, and oftentimes conflict occurs. But look at Jesus. Look at Jesus in this situation. What did he do? He took time to help others. Instead of becoming angry at the inappropriateness of the request, he helps them see um, the things properly. Look at verses 25 to 28 again in this context, the way we're talking. They're, so they've just done this inappropriate question. The, others get indignant. They get angry at the situation. But then verse 25 says, but Jesus. He does something different. Look what he does different. He calls, but Jesus calls him to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over um, them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall become your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Look what it says. It says, but Jesus responds differently. He helps them. What's he do? He helps them have a kingdom perspective in the middle of the circumstances. He helps those, um, shows that those in the kingdom act differently, that those in the kingdom think differently. So this is the situation, and you guys got mad, but let me help you see it different. I want you to understand that in the kingdom, we see things differently. And church, how important is that for all of us right now? for us to not react like every other person around us, but to see things rather through the eyes of the kingdom and to help other people see our situation through the eyes of God and his kingdom. And if we think about that, what's the right kingdom perspective for all of us to have in these days? It's to know this that I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. And I live in the stable and unshakable kingdom of God, that you are one, if you're a child of God, you are one in whom Christ dwells and delights, and you live in the stable and unshakable kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was doing. He's saying, we're in a stressful situation. These people are reacting according to the situation normal, stress is high, patience is low. But Jesus says, but Jesus is different and he takes the time to, to help them to see things differently. And we know, church, none of us knows how this virus situation is going to work out. But as a child of God who lives in his kingdom under his provision and his protection, if we live that we live in the stable kingdom of God. And when we know that we live in the stable kingdom of God, then we can be at peace with God in the midst of whatever is going on. And we can be like Jesus and we can remind the people around us of the truth of the kingdom in the midst of a stressful time. Jesus de-escalated the situation. They were escalating it through being angry with each other. Jesus de-escalates it and talks about life from a kingdom perspective. And that's something that every single one of us can do during this time. Something we learn about Jesus in this stressful situation surrounding the events of Palm Sunday, so that's the first thing that we can learn from Jesus from the from the context around Palm Sunday. What's the next thing we can learn? The next thing is this: Jesus took time to do another thing. Jesus took time not only to help, but Jesus took time to heal others. Look at verses twenty nine to thirty four. It says, as they were leaving Jericho, allow. So this is just following on the heels now of of this last thing of the of the inappropriate question. And as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Now, think about something. Wouldn't Jesus have been completely justified to just walk past these two blind men? Now, I'm not saying they're unimportant, but wouldn't he have been completely justified? To just walk past these two blind men. Because there was probably many other people also at needs. But wouldn't he have been justified? Because after all, he he knew exactly what he was doing. He was on his way to Jerusalem to die for the sins of every man and every woman in the history of the world. You know? Um, He kind of had other things on his mind. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He was in stress. He had a mission to do, and it was a stressful situation. And you would recognize he would have been justified in just passing by. But he didn't just pass by. He stopped in his tracks, and look what he did. He asked a question. What do you want me to do for you? And they said they wanted to see their sight. And then it look what it says next. It says, and then moved with compassion, Jesus touched them. Jesus was moved with compassion to action in the midst of a stressful situation. Even in probably the most stressful situation of his whole life, he was moved with compassion to action to help somebody that he encountered that had a need. You know, and what might that look like for any one of us during this stressful time? How might our actions be healing for someone else that's in need during this time? Somebody else that we could maybe feel justified to just go past, but with the heart of Jesus towards other people, how might our actions be healing for someone in need? And, you know, I think, church, we need to understand that that thought is an offer from God for the church right now. That I really believe that this is the church's time to shine. Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And this crisis, you know, it, it, who knows, it might get really bad. I hope that it doesn't for us. But if it does, the church is the answer. We can be the ones to bring healing and help to others. We can be the ones to share our resources. We can be the ones to serve our community. We can be the ones to care for our health care workers and their families as needs arise. And I'm not saying we should ignore the, the, the restrictions and the social distancing, but we must especially be like Jesus walking through this stressful time and say, who around me needs healing and move with compassion, act. We can say, who needs healing? What elderly people are in your sphere of influence that you can contact? What marginalized people do you know that maybe no one else is checking in on? What at-risk people that, that might need some help with shopping or something could you reach out to? How can we help knowing this, that our helping them is healing to their very soul? I think this is our time to shine, to love like Jesus loves, which is how? He loves Sacrificially to be moved with compassion to action You know what during this time what is jesus modeling in our context? He'd say this don't be a hoarder Be a healer Love people in jesus name be encouraging and kind and generous look to the needs of others Not just to your own needs Um, that's how jesus lived during this stressful time and if the church will be like jesus during this time, then when we share the why we are helping, and somebody say, why would you care? Why would you help? And we'll answer, because the love of Jesus has given compassion in my heart that moves me to action. And you explain it's all because of Jesus, then people will be drawn to Jesus. I believe this can be a great time of harvest for the kingdom of God. A great time of spiritual healing. That's what the harvest is. It's people who are spiritually lost and broken, finding spiritual health and wholeness in Jesus Christ. I think this can be the time of that kind of healing. And one of the keys to it is you and I being willing in the midst of stress to be moved with compassion to action because we recognize we live in the stable kingdom of God. So we're at peace. And then we can help those who are feeling Uneasy during this time, so that's one of the other great things we learn about Je- from Jesus as he went through this this time of great stress surrounding um, Palm Sunday. And there's one more thing that I think we should learn from Jesus as he was going through this time of stress, and it's this: He took time to include the excluded. Look at um, verses. 12 through 14 of chapter 21. Right after the triumphal entry, just right after that, right after they're shouting Hosanna to him who comes in the name of the Lord. Look what it says next. It's under the title, Cleansing the Temple. It says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Let me explain kind of something that's going on here that maybe you'd be easy to overlook. The area of the temple, that these money changers and the dove sellers and the and the sheep sellers were set up in, where they were set up in the temple would be the area called the Court of the Gentiles. So you had the temple, and you had a place with the temple where Jewish people and only Jewish people could go and worship. But then there was an area outside called the Court of the Gentiles, and that Court of the Gentiles... Was set up so that non-Jewish people could also come and worship and be ministered to um, the God by the God of the Jews. So non-Jews could come and worship. So it was called the Court of the Gentiles, and that's where these money changers um, and these um, these dove sellers were all set up in that area. And the text then that Jesus that Matthew quotes here. That writes on that Jesus quoted is from Isaiah uh, this quote that says my house shall be a house of prayer if you notice in your Bible that's written in different a different text that's meaning it's a quote a quote from somewhere else it's a quote from Isaiah it says it is written my house shall become be called the house of prayer that's a that's a quote from from the prophet Isaiah, And it was written, if you go to it, it was written in the context, that line is taken out of the context of Isaiah talking about a time in the future um, when all people would be welcome into the presence of God, that no one would be excluded from knowing God, that everybody would be included. So the significance of Jesus driving out the money changers and those selling doves and sheep from the court of the Gentiles was that he when he drove those people out of the court of the Gentiles, he wasn't just saying this activity shouldn't go on in my temple. He was saying, I'm making room for all the people who have been excluded from worshiping God by the religious structure that had been set up. That, so that's what he did. He was welcoming those into the kingdom of God who otherwise had been excluded. And that's why at the end of it, it says, and the, bl- the lame and the blind came to him and he healed them. Those people, along with the Gentiles, had been excluded from coming into worship in the temple. So Jesus clears out the place that was made for them and says, come on in, you're all welcome. He included the excluded. In his time of great stress, Knowing what he was going to face in a couple of days in his execution, he took time to make room and in, so make room so the excluded could be included. But think of this: normally, during times of stress, the excluded and the marginalized and the most needy of our society are the first people to be overlooked. But Jesus does exactly the opposite. He makes room for those who are usually excluded from the culture around them. And so you think of this, how might we follow Jesus' example and include the excluded? Well, think of this, who do you know who maybe lives on the fringes of society? Who do you know that maybe is poor or alone or suffers from mental illness, those kinds of people that are generally on the fringes, the ones who are excluded, or they're just so that person who has no friends. Who are those people that are generally excluded? I think this is the most wonderful time for us, you and me, to reach out to them and to make sure they feel safe and that they know that people care about them. Maybe it's somebody that you need to do a food drop for. You're not supposed to go in their house, but you could buy them groceries and drop it on their doorstep and let them know you're there. Or it's a person that you make a phone call to. So we include the excluded, the ones that normally are excluded. And that's, I think, maybe uh, the, the first application of this. But I think there's another application that is maybe even, um, maybe more difficult and maybe more appropriate right now because we live in a society that we probably don't have a lot of people that fit in that first category. And the second application is this, who have you excluded from your life because of hurts and unforgiveness? And I would say this, during this time, it's the perfect time to mend those fences, to reach out and offer reconciliation to those who you have excluded from your life. That reconciliation could be a great gift during this time of stress because people's hearts are more open, saying, I I know that I have a need, that this could be the perfect time for you to be the one who reaches out and starts the process of including those who have been excluded. So this will be a time for families to be brought back together, for broken relationships to be healed and mended. As you are the one who says, "Listen, I live in a stable kingdom of God, and I'm going to reach out to you and let you know that you know what? Let's let bygones be bygones, and let's let our let's let our differences be gone. What's much more important is that during this time we recognize that that there is love between one another." And so this can be a great opportunity for us to include the excluded, whether that be somebody who's marginalized in our society or someone that you've excluded or they've excluded you because of a hurt of the past, that just maybe this could be an opportunity for you to try to mend that broken relationship. So look at what we learn from Jesus in this, in this situation surrounding um, the triumphal entry um, on, on Palm Sunday. When, when the stress was high, and some were reacting with indignance, and some were telling um, the the those who were hurting to be quiet, like they did the two blind men when Jesus came in and they were crying out. The crowd around him it says were telling them to be quiet. When people were reacting like that in a stressful situation, what does Jesus do? He took time to help others. He took time to heal others, and he took time to include the excluded. You know, he is our example of how to shine during this time of stress. And I believe this, we will be blessed as we are a blessing. I honestly believe that. If you want to, you want to navigate this stressful situation in the best possible way and you want to come out of it with the greatest possible outcomes, be a blessing. Do not spend your life just looking at yourself and your own situation, your own problems. That just makes it multiply. Rather, Yes, but we have a situation to deal with. But turn outward and look at how can you be a blessing to other people? That's what Jesus did. He healed and he helped and he included. And he's our role model during this time. Remember we said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. He is sending us to help and to heal and to include. But here's what I know. To do that, It takes the empowerment of the presence and the spirit of God in our lives. The things we're asking, we're going to do, aren't just things we do on our own initiative. They're what we do because we are children of God, filled with the spirit of God, and then we can do ministry um, by the power of God. And so, what we're going to do in our time as we end this morning is we are going to celebrate communion together. And one of the things that we do in celebrating communion is we are inviting the very presence of God to to be um, manifest within us, so that we would have the not only we've we looked at the pattern of how Jesus acted during these days, but we'd have the power of Jesus by the Spirit to enable us to to minister as He ministers. And that's one of the things that we're we're going to welcome during this time of communion. So why don't you grab your your elements? And I am going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul wrote this. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let's take our bread. Jesus told us that we should do this in remembrance of him. And what I want us to remember as we do communion this morning is what we've learned this morning from those events surrounding home Sunday where Jesus serves as an incredible role model for us on how during a time of stress we can help and we can heal and we can include but that to do that we need the very presence of Christ within us to be our pattern and the power to allow him to minister through us and so hold this bread in your hand you know, it's, this bread is a symbol of Christ's presence, but it's more than that. It's it's allow, a way for us to feel the reality of the presence of God. That's why I believe the Lord gave us tangible things to hold and to consume during communion. He could have said, just remember these things, but he gave us things to hold in our hands and things we're actually going to eat to remind us of the of the reality of his presence in this moment. That he's here for us right now. And that when we invite him into our lives, he's here in his presence and his power. And I've, I've put an example out for us today in this sermon of something that's going to require the presence and the power of the Lord for us to be other focused during a time of Stress. And here's what I know. When we welcome Jesus into our lives, we give ourselves fully to him. His presence and his power does things in us and through us that we can never do on our own. Because it's not about us, it's about him. That we become his hands and his feet. We are are his body. He's the head of the church. We're his his body. His hands and his feet, his mouth, his heart. We're the ones who, who do his activity in this world today. And he's offered himself to us fresh and anew so that he can do his ministry through you and me today. And so today we're going to, as we partake in communion, we're going to invite Jesus in his strength and his power to just so empower us, so transform us, so give us peace that he can use us during this time of stress. So would you pray with me, Father? In just a moment, we're going to take the bread. And Lord, we want to offer ourselves to you. So that, Lord, you can be glorified through us as you minister to our world, which is going through a lot right now. Lord, we're your children. And I ask, Lord, for every one of your children that's that's you know virtually. In church right now, that you would let your peace and your presence overwhelm them right now in this moment. Overwhelm them, Lord, with your reality in this very moment. And now, Lord, we ask you in all of your strength and all of your power and all of your, your goodness, would you so fill us with your presence that, Lord, we would be transformed and that, Lord, we would be empowered to walk with you and administer in your strength. Let's partake of the bread together. cup. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus poured it all out. There's a reason why God chose wine. In our case, it's it's grape juice for communion. Because when you look at it, you remember what it cost Jesus it it makes us think of his blood that was shed and that's how much he loves you he shed his very life blood for you he gave his life in your for your in your place in my place on the cross we deserve to be punished but he but he said he'd take that punishment upon himself Then he welcomes us to be united with him to be empowered by him He offers us forgiveness. When he offers us forgiveness, he is being a role model for us. The very last thing we talked about in the sermon is reconciling the people that you um, are maybe estranged from. Understanding that this situation could be a time of reconciliation. I don't think it's a small matter and I know neither do you. But it starts with forgiveness. And communion reminds us of what God has forgiven us of. He's forgiven us of everything. And when we invite him in, we've received his forgiveness. As a child of God, we've asked him to forgive. And because we are forgiven, we now have the ability in Christ to forgive when we look at how much he's forgiven us, our natural response then is to forgive others. As we've partaken of the the cup in just a moment, if you know there's someone you need to forgive, I'm asking you in this moment to ask God to help you see what you've been forgiven of and put it in a proper perspective that you've been forgiven everything. And as an extension of that, he wants to forgive through you. And I believe he's going to give you the strength and the courage and the power to walk in forgiveness yourself and to offer forgiveness. So, Father, we thank you that you have forgiven us, that you are a good, good father. And, Lord, now we want to be forgiving people. And Lord, maybe there's just been some stressful situations that have caused us and our families to react inappropriately and there's some tension in our homes and there needs to be some forgiveness offered. Lord, right now we invite you to help us to be forgiving people as we have been forgiven. Let's invite the Lord's strength by partaking of the juice together. Lord, we thank you for your amazing, incredible grace, your love and your forgiveness. And I pray, God, as we walk through these days, that we would take time every day to just sit with you, to be aware of your presence, so that, Lord, we walk through this in the peace that you offer to every person that knows you. Lord, I pray your blessings upon every single person that's watching this. May they know your grace and your peace and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. As we say goodbye, remember this. We're here for you. If there's anything you need, let us know at the church. Call us. Um, Our phones are back up and working, praise the Lord. Uh, Call us, send us an email or a text, and we'll help any way that we possibly can. God is going to do amazing things in your life and in our community through the situation. I look forward to the day we meet again. God bless you, friends. Have a wonderful day. Hug your family members today.